Well, welcome to part two of our series at the movies. Like Josh said earlier, we are so incredibly excited and count ourselves privileged to be spending some of our weekend with each and every one of you. My name is Ben, I'm the lead pastor here at CORE, and this entire series highlights this one thing that we believe with every fiber of our being. You see, we believe from the bottom of our hearts that our God isn't boring, and so church doesn't have to be either. And our hope throughout this series is that as you walk into this place, and maybe you're coming from a place to where it's been a really long time since you've been in church, you're giving church a try again, or maybe you're giving God a try again, that as you walk through these doors, you find that this place is a safe place, a place where it's okay to not be okay. And that over the course of this series, you can find yourself letting your hair down with us, having some fun with us, maybe even recognizing as you come back that if you don't have everything together, you'll fit right in around here. And that throughout this series, that maybe, just maybe, you'll experience something totally unexpected from the local church or something that you've never experienced before in a church. And if you're here for the very first time, or maybe you're just here for the first time during this particular series, what we want you to know is this, is that each and every week of At The Movies is completely unrelated from any of the other ones. And the reason why we highlight that is this, is because if you find yourself coming in week two and you missed week one, or you invite someone to come for week three or four or five, each and every week there is no catch-up work that needs to be done within this series. Now, we say that lightly because what we also believe is this. Each and every week is going to bring something fun and unique to the table that we believe you do not want to miss. And so while each week is totally unrelated, we think that you should be here every single week of this series to have some fun with us. But every week we'll bring a new movie, a new genre, and a new application piece for our everyday lives to the table. Last week, we kicked this whole thing off with a superhero genre as we explored Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And we talked about this reality in every single one of our lives, that it is inevitable that we will all experience loss of some kind throughout our lifetimes. And yet what I know about myself, and maybe you are honest enough to admit it about yourself, is that I, as I look at the loss of my past, I've never done a great job of handling that loss in a healthy way. And what does it look like for us to be able to handle the loss of all life as we move into our future and the inevitableness of the loss that is coming for us to handle that in the healthiest way possible as we move forward? And then next week, we go into maybe my favorite genre, the sports genre, as we tackle Creed Three. And then after that, we bring out the inner kid and all of us as we explore the animated movie genre and we tackle syncing up with family movie night on that Sunday, the new Super Mario Brothers. And then we finish this whole thing off with a series of movies that have created a genre in and of itself, Star Wars, as we finish this series with Solo, a Star Wars story. But today, we take ourselves back in time to a classic genre We take ourselves back to a a time where a movie was released all the way back in 1939. And I think as I look back in the last eight years of At The Movies around Core Community Church, this is the farthest back in time we've gone for the classic genre. And yet what I'm willing to bet is this, is that most, if not all of us, have seen this movie at some point in our lifetime. And for some of us, we've seen this movie more times than what we want to recollect because the amount of times our kids have watched this movie. You see, today we tackle 
The Wizard of Oz. And if it's been a while since you've seen this movie, or you, maybe you're one of the select few who has never seen this movie, the entire story of The Wizard of Oz centers around a young character by the name of Dorothy. As Dorothy looks at her life and her world, what she begins to see is a world, from her lens at least, that feels as if it's a mess. See, here is this young girl living on a farm with her aunt and uncle. Her aunt is always on her case. Her uncle never stands up for her. And she's got this old witch that lives down the street that is constantly trying to steal her dog. And because of that, Dorothy looks at her life and she begins to have these wishes that rise to the surface. This desire that maybe, just maybe, she could find a place where all of those troubles and all of those worries would fade away. A place like that must exist, right? Somewhere over the rainbow. And yet in an instant, all of those wishes seem to come to fruition, as Dorothy is swept up in a tornado and transported to a different world. And as she finds herself transported from her unfair circumstances in a world that feels like a mess, she finds herself arriving in this place, in this new world where everything seems to be a possibility. And in maybe one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie to get you up to speed with The Wizard of Oz, this is where Dorothy finds herself arriving at. Check this out. Now, y'all, there is something wrong with you if you don't absolutely love when the Munchkin kids come out onto the stage. We represent the lollipop kids. The lolli I will understand if you guys want me to sing the opener next week in, in place of Krista. <laughs> if you're here for the first time, I promise I do not sing on a weekly basis. But this is where the tension exists in every single one of our lives and in every single one of our stories. That as we look at our world, and maybe we don't even have to look that far into our own world. Maybe we simply look at our own circumstances. What we begin to derive is this, is that our world certainly feels like a mess. Is that things seem as if they are far from perfect. And we begin to have those exact same wishes that Dorothy has in the middle of the Wizard of Oz. That what if we could find easier circumstances for our lives? What if we could be transported to a different time and place where all of this mess around us just fades away? What if things could get easier in the midst of the diagnosis that we're facing and the financial hiccup that we have? What if we could just experience something different than all of this messiness and brokenness that seems to exist and be at the forefront of our city and our state and our country and even our world? Man, is there any better weekend for us to recognize that our world is a mess than the one in which we're experiencing right now, in which another war has broken out across our world? And we experience division and even hatred right here within our city, right here within our state, right here within our world and our country as we approach another election cycle. That couldn't there be something in all lives somewhere over the rainbow where all of that could just fade away? And if that isn't possible, then maybe the next best option is for us to simply shrink back into our own shells and avoid the world at all costs. And because the world is so messed up and because the world is so broken, wouldn't it be possible for me to just have nothing to do with the world And yet, what if I told you this morning 
that there was a better option for your life and for your future? What if I told you that you were created for more than that? That no matter who you are, what you've come from, how young or old you are, that you were created to make a difference, that you were created to make an impact on the world around us, not in spite of the brokenness and messiness, but because of the brokenness and messiness of the world that exists around us right here, right now. And yet being able to become the world changers that you were created to be and that I was created to be boils down to one choice in every single one of our lives. It's a choice that's relevant to every single one of us in this room. If you're a middle schooler or a high schooler in this room, Maybe you're a young adult. I get it. You've walked into this room many times, and it feels like on a weekly basis, the things that we talk about don't exactly pertain to the here and now in your life. As we talk about marriage and relationships and finances and leading your kids and all of those things, it isn't really real in your world in the here and now. But this morning, the choice that we have in all lives to make is relevant to you as a middle school student. It's relevant to you as a high school student is relevant to you as a young adult. If you walked into this room and you're 20 or 40 or 60 or 80, this choice is relevant in your life. And the way in which we choose on a daily basis will determine whether or not we change the world for the better around us. Because ultimately, this is the choice we have. We have a choice in every difficulty and there is no denying that there exists difficulty all around us, be it in our world or in our own personal circumstances. We have a choice in every difficulty to see the impossibility or to see the opportunity. We have a choice to see either the impossibility or the opportunity in every difficulty that we see in our world and in every difficulty we encounter in our own circumstances. And the question is this. Which will you choose? Our world is a mess. There is no denying that. But we get to choose the perspective that we have on that mess. You see, deep inside of all of us, there is this desire to have a perfect world or to have an easier life. But when we look at all lives and our world simply through that lens and from that perspective, what we miss is this. We miss that things like character are built and defined in difficulty. We miss that growth only happens outside of the ideal. We miss that faith becomes real in the trials. And if you're a Jesus follower, lean in for this one. We miss that a savior is only needed and recognized in the brokenness. If everything was perfect, there would be no need for a savior. You see, the obvious and easy choice that oftentimes I choose and that maybe you've been tempted to choose is to see the impossibility and to allow that perspective to force you to retreat into your own shell or to spend a majority of your life complaining about how bad the world around us really is. But the difficult choice, the path that few are taking, is to see the messiness of the world as an opportunity to live a life of greater meaning, to have a greater impact on the world around us. About 2,500 years ago, 
we pick up an account of the story and the life of a young girl. And what's so incredible about the account of this young girl's life is that this story isn't just recorded in the Bible. We also find this story of this girl and her family and a nation recorded in the book, the history book that was written by the king of this nation as well. In secular history books, this particular account is written about as well. We pick up the life of a young girl by the name of Esther. And Esther finds herself at a time in history in which Esther is a Jew. She's from the nation of Israel, and yet the nation of Israel has been conquered and made captive to the nation of Persia. Persia is growing throughout the world, and and they are on this conquering path in which they are taking nation after nation. And their king is King Xerxes. And as King Xerxes begins to conquer more land and take more nations underneath his power umbrella, he has this brilliant idea. Now that I have conquered all of these nations and my kingdom is expanding, what that means for me is this. There are way more women underneath of my kingdom than what there were before. And so what if, now with all of these new nations that I have conquered, what if we brought the most beautiful women from all of these different nations to my palace. And I will assess these women, and I will choose for myself the best of them all to become my queen. And what we learn is that Esther was one of the women who was chosen. And as King Xerxes meets Esther and lays his eye on Esther, he finds her to be the most beautiful woman in the land. And he takes her as his queen, And it says that she became the most loved in the eyes of King Xerxes. And yet there was a turning point in Esther's story. Not long after she had become queen of the kingdom of Persia, she receives this message from what was her cousin, a guy by the name of Mordecai who became her father. You see, Esther's life was not without trial. Esther found herself orphaned. She had lost her parents, and when she had no one to care for her, her cousin Mordecai adopted her into his family. He became her adopted father. And she receives word from Mordecai that there is this plan that is being formulated within the highest ranks of the Persian nation to essentially genocide all of the Jewish people. They were going to wipe them out because from their perspective, they were less than. They were just this small kingdom that had been taken over by this huge world superpower, and we didn't really need them getting in the way, and we didn't really need their God as a part of the equation within our religious system. And so what if we just wiped them all out? And Mordecai catches word of this, and he passes word along to Esther. But for Esther, 2,500 years ago, to even enter the king's chambers without being invited was grounds for execution. And so for her to bring up her concern, she was essentially putting her life on the line. And you can imagine, right, the thoughts that were passing through Esther's head. Thoughts of, I wish I was never made queen. I wish I wasn't put in this position. And the temptation for Esther to just decide, maybe it's safest for me to retreat into my own shell, to keep my head down and act as if nothing is wrong in the world around me. And as all of these thoughts are passing through Esther, this is the message, the challenge that was relayed to her from her cousin, father, Mordecai. We pick it up in Esther chapter 4, verse 14, and this is what Mordecai says to Esther. 
Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this? Who knows if you were not put in this position, in this mess, for just such a time as this? You were made for such a time as this. And y'all, what I believe with all of my heart about you and about me is this, is that you were made for such a time as this. And on top of that, deep inside of every single one of us, not only is there this fear that exists of what the future holds because of the mess of the world around us in our lives and in our stories, but if you're a parent or a grandparent, there is also this fear exists of what it looks like for your kids or your grandkids to grow up in the messes of this world. And yet what I believe with all of my heart is this. We have a God who does not make mistakes. That your child, your grandchild was made for such a time as this. That they were made with everything they need to be able to be a world changer in the world in which they live. And whatever that world looks like, 25 years from now, 50 years from now, they have been made for such a time as this. And fear was no longer supposed to be something that dictated control in our lives or of our thoughts of becoming the world changers that we were created to be, that I see in you and that I hope exists inside of me, boils down to our ability to make a few simple choices on a daily basis, a few simple choices that all world changers make and their ability to make a positive impact on the world around them. And what we're going to come to, to see is that within the story of the Wizard of Oz, as Dorothy encounters three different friends along the way, each of these friends is missing one of these three key ingredients that allows them to interact and ultimately make an impact on the world around them. But in all lives, these three things exist and require us to choose accordingly to determine whether or not we will live a life of meaning and purpose that allows us to make the impact that we were created to make for such a time as this. The first choice is this, that in order to be world changers, we must choose on a daily basis to think positively. To think positively. You see, whether you realize it or not, our minds are a powerful thing. So powerful that maybe you miss it in your own life, but you've seen it in the lives of your kids or your coworkers or friends or acquaintances. What you've realized is this, is that our minds are so powerful that where your thoughts go, so goes your life. Where your thoughts go, so goes your life. How you choose to use your brain will ultimately dictate the difference you make. It'll determine not just how you view the world, but also what you are capable of doing in the world. And as Dorothy begins to travel the yellow brick road, she encounters her first friend who is seemingly missing this key ingredient, this key ingredient that allows him to make the impact that he believes he was created to make on the world around him. As she encounters the scarecrow, this is what the scarecrow believes he is missing and will pursue at all costs to have this as a part of his life and his story. Check this out. Here's a little one, 
only I had a brain. But here's the key difference between yourself and myself and the scarecrow. And I know this is going to sound harsh, so give me some grace. You already have a brain. But you and I must decide to stop allowing media outlets or other people to dictate how we think. To keep telling us that the world is falling around us and everything is a mess that we'll never recover from. You and I have a choice to stop seeing the world around us the way everybody else does. To stop just seeing the impossibility in it. They can think the world is falling. You don't have to. They can think everything is offensive. You don't have to. They can think that the best way to fight back against the messiness of this world is by attacking others and being negative and hurtful. You don't have to. You are in control of your thought life. You get to choose what you think about. And that choice will dictate your ability to bring about positive change. It's why this guy that we talk about so often, a guy who wrote a majority of the New Testament in letter form, whose life was changed on a dime when he encountered the risen Jesus, gives you and I this advice. This is how powerful our thought lives are for whether or not we become the world changers. At 14, 16, 18, 40, 60, or 80 years old that we were created to be. Paul writes this in his letter to the church in Philippi. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You get to choose what you think about. Will you choose to think only about the negative and the world around you is falling and that everything seems like an impossibility, a mess that can't be fixed? Or will you choose to see the, the opportunity that exists in the midst of the mess? And if you've been around CORE for any amount of time, you've heard me say this countless times. You will always find what you're looking for in this world. If you go looking for the negative... You won't have to look far to find it. But if you go looking for the positive, what I also believe with all of my heart is that you will find that as well. So what are you looking for? Where are you allowing your thought life to go? Where your thoughts go, so goes your life. If you want to be a world changer, you must choose the route less traveled to think positively in spite of what everybody else around you is telling you. And then secondly, you must make the choice to feel compassionately. That once you think positively, then you must make the choice every single day to feel compassionately. You see, thinking positively does not mean that you ignore the hurt in the world around us. You can't seek to bring hope and change unless you first allow yourself to see the hopelessness that exists in the world, the hopelessness that exists in other people's lives. And hear me on this. A broken heart is not the same as a negative mind. Did you catch that? A broken heart is not the same thing as a negative mind. Compassion is the catalyst for action. 
You must feel the hurt to be able to then show love and action to a world that desperately needs it around you. As Dorothy and the Scarecrow continue their journey along the yellow brick road, they encounter their second friend. And as they encounter the Tin Man, what they soon begin to see and hear and realize from him is that there is this key ingredient that he believes he's missing deep inside of him that prohibits him from being able to feel the hurt and the love from other people, to interact with other people, to begin to even have relationship and to make a difference in their lives. As they encounter the Tin Man, this is what they begin to see that the Tin Man feels he's lacking. Check this out. You see, our willingness and ability to see and feel the world around us will ultimately be the thing that unlocks our ability to take action. It's the very thing that Esther realized. That she could not step in and do something for the world around her in the midst of the mess if she didn't first understand the mess and the hurt that was taking place in the world. It's why as she received word from Mordecai of the pending genocide that was to come for, for the Jewish people, she sent messengers out to see exactly why the hurt was taking place. We find it in Esther chapter 4, verse 4. When Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed. She sent clothing to him to replace the burlap, but he refused it. And this is where she allows herself to feel compassionately. Then Esther set, sent for Haddish, one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed as her attendant. She ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him and why he was in mourning. You see, Esther was capable of feeling compassion because she didn't shield herself from the messes of the world. And the question that I have for myself and maybe for you is this, are you willing to understand those who are broken? To see things from their perspective or attempt to walk in their shoes? Because if we are not, we have rendered ourselves useless to make an impact for the positive in the world around us. If we are unwilling to see the hurt that exists in the world around us, we have rendered ourselves useless to make the impact we have been created to make on the world around us. Have you gotten outside of your worldview? Have you put yourself in positions to see things from a different socioeconomic perspective? Have you had conversations with someone from a different upbringing? Have you heard the stories of hurt from those who are in despair? Have you sacrificed anything for someone in need? You see, you cannot bring about hope and change and love until you see the reasons in this world why those things are necessary. We can't bring the positive change that we were created to bring in the world until we first immerse ourselves in the world to see that the world needs change and the world needs hope and the world needs love. We must be people that if we want to be world changers, we feel compassionately. 
And then lastly, as world changers, as we make the choice to think positively, to feel compassionately, that compassion should then drive us. It should break our heart in such a way that we know we can no longer stay on the sidelines. We must do something. We have been called to do something. And when our hearts are broken to a place of action, it requires that we act courageously. That we step outside of our comfort zones and we do something. And yet here's an important note. For those of us who consider ourselves to be Christ followers, we must lean in heavily too. Acting courageously in our lives and in our world never equates to hateful rhetoric spoken to other people. Never equates to belittling people who God created. And the reason why I say never is because for those of us who consider ourselves to be Christ followers, Jesus never used hateful rhetoric to change the world. He never used hateful rhetoric in his acts of courage to bring about hope and love to a hurting world. And I don't know about you, but I can't find a better example in all of history of a world changer than Jesus. And the way in which he modeled being a world changer is the way in which I want to live my life. He is the example that we as Christ followers should be following, should be living our lives after. And this is how Jesus chose to live it out. That I'm going to act courageously, but I will not speak hatefully that I'll choose to take the road less traveled, that I'll choose to step outside of my comfort zone and do what nobody else is doing. And doing something for the hurt in the world will require you and require me to step outside of our comfort zones. As Dorothy, as Miss Scarecrow, and the Tin Man continue their journey, they come across the third friend, and what they begin to recognize from the lion is this, is that as the lion looks out into the world and sees all of the incredible things in which the world has changed in incredible ways and the difference makers in the world, what they find is that there is this one key ingredient that every single one of those world-changing things had. And yet, in a very humorous way, as his friends look back at him, what they signify is that that one key ingredient is something that you Lion, do not have. Check this out. Courage. Uh, there comes a point in every single one of our stories that in order to make a difference, we must step out courageously. For Esther, there was this defining moment in her story 
in which as she had felt compassionately and saw the hurt in her world, what she quickly recognized is that she could no longer step to the side and do nothing. She could no longer retreat to her own shell and act as if everything was all right. She made this decision that the time has come for she had been created for such a time as this to step out courageously and to do something that just may cost her her life. In verse 16, this is what Esther determines. She sends this note back to Mordecai to tell him her plan. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, and here Esther is simply talking about for me to even walk into the king's chambers and have a conversation with him, for even though it is against the law, I will go in and see the king. If I must die, I must die. You see, in this moment, Esther made this determination. As I see the hurt in the world around me, I must make the courageous choice. Put my life on the line to stand in the gap for somebody else's hurt. A tangible question that exists for every single one of us is this. What sacrifice have you made lately for the betterment of somebody else? It's a question that we all must answer if we want to be the world changers that we've been created to be. What have you tangibly done recently to sacrifice for the betterment of somebody else? And if your answer is nothing or I don't know, but I want to be a world changer, shameless plug coming, come back on November 5th. There's an incredible opportunity that we believe with all of my heart will allow every single one of us to become the world changers, to step outside of our comfort zone, and to do something tangible that changes lives, changes families, changes our world in a practical and tangible way through an act of courage. But whatever that step is, for every single one of us, what we must identify and recognize before we even take that step is this, is that acts of courage will cost us something. It will not be the easy route. But I promise you, in the end, if we are willing to act courageously, we will see a difference made in our world or the world that is unmistakable. As we arrive at the end of the movie, Dorothy and the Tin Man and Scarecrow and the Lion find themselves finally arriving to see the Wizard of Oz. And in their interactions with the wizard, what they quickly recognize is that the wizard really isn't that great of a wizard. And yet there's still this expectation that for the three of them, they will receive these gifts that they have been missing, that the wizard will provide them with a brain and a heart and the nerve that they have been seeking. And that the gifts they actually get from the wizard are downright unexpected, but equally life-changing. Check this out. You see, the thing that the wizard points out to the scarecrow and the tin man and the lion is the same thing I believe with all of my heart that the God of the universe wants to point out in your life. You already have a brain. 
heart and the courage. And yet so often we keep waiting for the stars to align in all lives or in our circumstances to make a difference. When I get older, when I get wiser, when life gets easier and the world gets less messy, when I have more money, when I have more time, that's when I'll finally make a difference. And yet what I believe with all of my heart is that regardless of who you are, how much of anything you have, how young or old you are, what I believe with all of my heart is that you were made to make a difference right where you are and right now. You already have everything you need for just such a time as this. You don't believe me? This is what the one who created you says about you. For we, that includes you, are God's masterpiece. Do you know the weight of that one word, masterpiece? It means that you are complete, that you were given everything you needed to be given to be the difference maker, the world changer that God has designed you to be. But then he doubles down in this final part of this passage when he writes this. He, meaning God, has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You were created for such a time as this. You are a masterpiece, and you already have the ability to think positively. You already have the ability to feel compassionately. You already have the ability to act courageously. You just have to choose to do it. You have to choose to look into the messiness of our world and to see not the impossibility, but to see the opportunity that exists in the middle of the mess and to be courageous enough to step in, stand in the gap and do something. And so the question is this, what will you choose? For some of us in this room, there's this roadblock that exists that we want to be world changers. And yet we recognize that we've lived on this earth for long enough and put our hope in enough things of this world that have fallen through and come up short that we feel downright hopeless. How can we bring love and hope to a world in which we feel hopeless, in which things are never going to get better? We've lived our lives for some of us long enough, recognizing that if this world does fall apart, where does that leave us? And yet what we've failed to recognize, to cling to for so long as this, is that there is a God who put on flesh and stepped onto the pages of history. A God who went to the cross to provide a hope that this world can never match. A hope that this world cannot provide. A hope that was meant to be the source of our hope, flowing through us and then lived out into our world hope so strong that when he came and died on a cross, he didn't just speak into our circumstances, he also spoke into our eternities. That you can have such hope in me that will allow you to be a light in this world when you simply look that not even death was bigger than me. Not even the hopelessness of death 
diminish the hope that I was bringing to your life and to this world. When you invite me into your story, into your life, and my hope comes with that, your ability to be a world changer changes with me and your life. Would you pray with me? With all eyes closed, maybe this morning that's you. You walked in here and you're saying, I've tried everything, and I want to be a world changer, but my life, my circumstances, and frankly, this world feels downright hopeless. I've put my hope in money. I've put my hope in relationships, and they let me down time and time again. And yet this morning, I'm tired of being hopeless. I'm tired of worrying about what happens if the world falls apart a hope that's bigger than all of that. A hope that lets me know that my eternity is taken care of. And if this world falls apart, I get to spend eternity with you, Jesus. And if that's you and you're saying, man, this morning I need that hope. But I don't know where to start, Ben. It's as simple as this. In your own mind, and your own heart, just repeating these words. My life has been a mess. I've felt hopeless for a long time. And yet this morning I need hope. A hope that's bigger than death. A hope that only you can bring. So today, I'm inviting you into my life. I'm inviting you into my story. source of hope, to be the thing that no longer allows fear to get the best of me, your hope that allows me to see the hurt in this world, not as an impossibility, but as an opportunity. Come into my life. Give me your For all of us this morning, God, we thank you that you're a God who looks at us and see the masterpiece. You have given us everything we need to be world changers, but you've also given us a choice. Will we choose every single day to think positively, to feel compassionately, and to act courageously? God, help us to be courageous enough to be world changers sake of our family, for the sake of our city, for the sake of our world. It's in your name.